Greetings, greetings. Welcome back to the Higher Play Podcast. My name is Ahi, also known as Dr. Myra Sabir. I'm your co-host, and my co-host is my daughter, Suri. Aqua, everybody. Aquaba, everyone, as we say in Ghana, welcome. Aquaba, that means welcome. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I think you may have told me that before. Um, but the, time, the title of today's podcast is Effort and Evolution. Effort and Evolution. And so you know that we are always seeking to give you a felt sense of this shift that can happen through the life writing process. And, you know, that's sort of our, our reason to be here. Um, and But this is only if you can look deeply with your younger self at what happened to her or him or them. In other words, what happened to you? If you can look deeply with your younger self, we want to give you a sense, a felt sense of what can happen, the shift that can happen for you as a result of that. And when I say younger, uh, for the record, uh, younger means any time before today, so long as we're talking about your most significant relationships. We're not talking about just any relationships, but your most significant ones. Anything before today in those relationships, uh, looking back at it, we're trying to give you a sense of how important, how valuable that can be. And this is kind of an uphill battle for us, though, because, you know, the people we are here for are understandably afraid to do that, right? Who wants to look back at memories that hurt the most? Um, we started this podcast to sort of help people um, overcome this fear of looking back with the younger self because, you know, 30 years later, I can't, I can't be more enthusiastic about why it's worth it. And our clients tend to be uh, people who are just ready to break free, right? And they're not just ready to break free, they're ready to, to, to break free as, as, as their own selves. And they are ready for the emotional depth that is necessary to break free. Um, and, you know, we go through the entire process and describe the whole thing and give people a chance to say yes or no. And those say, who say yes are just ready to do it. We also get plenty of people who say, no, I am not ready to do that. And we never push although we clearly are here to explain why it's important. We never push because a person does not have to be ready. And then we get those who are somewhere in between. They'll join the workshop series and they, they always um, come in contact with some of their handicapping memories because it's impossible not to in a room with others who are doing this work, but they sort of remain on the sidelines, you know, for the most part, and that's just fine. I always say for now, because I'm always uh, expecting uh, that at some point they will recognize the, the opportunity involved in, in, this, in this process. So we first called uh, this workshop today or this podcast today, Effort versus Evolution. And after thinking about it, you know, we changed it because of obviously, you know, nothing uh, on this planet Earth is mutually exclusive. Everything is connected. Effort, effort can generate evolution. And evolution can generate new kinds of effort. Still, though, it's helpful to kind of think of the two concepts in their sort of distinctiveness. There are aspects of them that can help us clarify, you know, um, the impact of, of life writing. So one of those is the idea that effort is driven from the mind. So effort is driven by thought, it's driven by willpower, right? And effort results in some kind of doing, okay? Evolution, on the other hand, precedes and actually seeds our very existence. It is the ground out of which we emerge. And evolution continues to live inside us at our very center as deep intuition, as deep intuition. It knows the direction of our body and soul. 
you, you, there's no spiritual tradition that you can think of that doesn't employ you to center down, to center, quiet yourself, center down in order to hear the whisperings of the very personal evolutionary guidance available to you from the inside. And life writing actually releases your capacity to center down. It takes away some of that chronic stress. I've had people say things like, that feeling in the pit of my stomach is gone for the first time. And they'll convey that they have lived with this feeling in the pit of their stomach for their whole lives. And some data that I'm looking at now from last uh, summer, uh, this woman is, is talking about how she, she can't believe what it feels like to not be depressed, right? Um, but um, so, so life writing helps you to, helps you to center down. And the, the way it does that is to, it removes um, you, you, hypertension, really. Um, hypertension is one of those constant stresses. It, it removes that. There's uh, research that shows it, and I could, could share it to you at any time. So it releases your capacity to center down more and more deeply. And over time, when you can finally attune just right, life and your evolution simply become magical. And I think that's what I'm trying to convey when I talk later about you know how my spiritual life is, is evolving. Um, uh, your sort of evolution becomes absent of unhealthy stress. And the more you attune, it becomes more and more absent of effort, not so much effort, not so much doing and more being. And you've heard the term effortless. It's everywhere. It's peppered all through the self-help and inner growth world. But I have never seen a structured process for actually evolving to effortless living outside of my, my, my field of, of narrative psychology. So everybody's talking about effortlessness. But nobody gives you a tool for moving from needing to, to effort, effort, try, try, push, push, to being able to relax into the flow of things. And life writing, uh, it, it can, can make that pivotal shift for you, can help you make that shift from doing to being. I think Maslow called it you know, uh, in official terms from deficiency to being. Um, and so the result of, of evolution versus effort is that is a human more in the process of being, right? And not just being, but being the unique self as compared to a human in the process of random doing. The other distinction I'd like to make between these two concepts is that effort can be directed toward anything, but evolution is always focused on your actualization. Evolution is focused on your precise fit to the present needs of today's world. I mean, that is the purpose of evolution, isn't it? So the mind clearly does not know the way to the good of the world. Just look around us, right? The mind requires a master. It requires intuition. It will pretend to be master if intuition is absent. The mind will drive endless doing until the earth gets overwhelmed and just simply kicks us off. The mind will not stop. This is something that's kind of frustrating to me as I, you know, pay attention to things and realize the role of research in uh, the, the uh, sort of capitalistic uh, uh, world and on and on. And I think, oh, my God, it's never going to stop. It, it will just get driven, you know, to its very last uh, breath if we don't start to do something and, and sort of balance out this mind-driven world, the mind requires the balance of intuition. It needs to be guided by deep and evolutionary intuition. And I, life writing is, is it, when I say pivotal shift, it shifts you to that trajectory where we're now evolving and strengthening and deepening our intuition. And so I have to, I have to push this work because I really believe 
it is a seed to getting us to where we all want to be as a race of people. Now, another thing we do before I turn it over to Zuri is we like to share something about our own personal evolution these days. And so what, something I'd like to share is that, that I've noticed lately that, you know how your mind just goes on and on, links from one thought to the next, chatter, chatter, chatter. And you may look up sometimes and say, how in the world did I end up thinking about that? Well, I have figured out or noticed that I'm not doing that, or I should say my mind does it, but I catch it right away and I stop it. So the way it works is that uh, my body will detect the energy that's connected to some thought in my head. Now, if it's a good thought and it's producing good energy, I probably don't pay that much attention. But when it's a, dis a, a disturbing thought and it creates a disturbance in my body, a dis-ease in my body, I notice that right away because, you know, I have a few practices and, you know, life writing kind of cleared out the, the sort of endless uh, stress stuff. And I live a pretty, a pretty, uh, you know, simple, stress-free life. Not that I don't have ups and downs, but the ups and downs don't take me with them. Well, because I sort of live at that ease state most of the time, I can detect right away when my body shifts. And so I, I notice it, I go to the thought that's generating it, and I cut the thought. And I'm watching this, like, so when I say I'm doing this, it's like this is happening, and I'm watching, thinking, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And I, you know, I do a lot of reading and, um, uh, indigenous uh, spirituality, including African, um, uh, Asian, and Indian, or Chinese, I should say, and Indian indigenous spirituality. And, uh, you know, so I'm really um, conscious of this centered, sweet, quiet, strong energy that resides at the center of us. So when I see the, that happening, I'm like, yeah, I want more of that. I want more of that. Here's another instance of it. I was, I was having an, about to have a nightmare and the, the nightmare generated so much stress in my body that I realized in my dream that I had to be dreaming. I was like, this has to be a dream. <laughs> and so I told myself, I'm not having this nightmare. And I woke myself up. I was intrigued by that. That has only happened one time, but that has happened recently. And again, I'm just sort of intrigued by where, what are the long-term possibilities of this Centering down. Anyway, enough about me. I'm going to turn it over to you now, Zuri. Are you there? I'm here. What a cool superpower to be able to pull yourself out of a nightmare. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm telling you, I, now I, do, I do some reading on lucid dreaming, and I, I love the concept of it. And I, I have had one lucid dream, so I know it exists. And so... Um, you know, that might be part of it. I'm turning my, I want to master that. I'm a long way from it. I actually just put aside a book I'm reading because I have to get something else done. Like you guys can't do this right now. But, um, but um, it really is, Zuri. It really, I'm just, I'm fascinated. So I guess that's all I can say. And I like that you call it a I superpower. That, because it really is, isn't it? It is. It's, a, it's an emerging superpower. And, and actually, I'll say this and I'll stop. But um, lucid dreaming is spoken of as a superpower that that capacity um, uh, then kind of seeps out into your, your day. life. I think that's the word. Watching yourself slowly uncover things yeah. that perhaps you've forgotten. Right. Yeah. Or that were that were. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's it's it's. It's a powerful thing, and I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I'm, I'm loving this week's discussion because evolution is unfolding, and and I love that you question the place of effort in your journey, right? I, I think 
what we've learned is that effort is necessary, but it's very specific where, for me, it's very specific where you put your effort, right? I think, I think when you put in effort to shift your perspective of discomfort or pain in, in any way that it comes to you, right? Anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. if you shift your perspective and that takes work official, right? I, I, I believe that once you shift that evolution occurs effortlessly. That's where the mechanism, that's the mechanism for effortlessness, yes. <laughs> right? When you, when you confront change uh, head on, the understanding of their ability to teach you, right? And your ability to receive the lesson, that's the other part of it. Then you've really entered into a flow state and that's when everything comes into balance. Yes. And uh, for me, trust in my, yeah, trust in myself. It's, it's increasing every time that I see myself face a truth or a difficult memory and it doesn't destroy me. Mm. Right? Each time I, I sink into a, a feeling it doesn't sink my ship. Uh, you know, the more I live this life, I'm realizing that I'm, I'm resilient. You know, my heart doesn't need as much protection mm. as I originally thought. I mean, I mean, it does need, right? Pain is still, is still pain. I don't advise being reckless just because you can withstand it, but knowing that you bend, but don't break, it allows for more playfulness mm-hmm. in the, you know, the face of uncertainty or, or expansion. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've seen over the years as a birth, right? I'm, I'm in people's very, uh, very transformative uh, processes. And I see a lot uh, in women's experiences and it kind of echoes this pattern. I, I think it reveals, their choices reveal the ways, the different ways of approaching life, right? Um, the women who confront their fears and they approach their birth as a rite of passage, as something designed to, to shift them into, uh, I don't know, a different understanding of or, or of life or motherhood. They have this, this proactive energy. They're motivated to ask questions. They demand more of their team. They take this leadership role and they learn about their bodies, they, they strengthen their intuition, and they tend to walk away from their experiences with self-trust, just mm-hmm. complete surrender to themselves and their bodies. And it's, it's such a huge stark contrast to the women who remain in fear and, and outside of their ability to influence their experience, their, their births. Mm-hmm. And in that state of fear, I've seen how easy it is for them to, to place their full trust to hand over their whole experience to external institutions and, uh-huh. and care providers who aren't invested in their body's wisdom at all or the expansion of their spirit. Uh-huh. And, and it becomes a one-dimensional, a means to an end, you know, and, and it's traumatic because uh-huh. it didn't reflect back to them their own personal power or give them a chance to trust themselves. Exactly. And life is like that. You know, life, life requires yes. constant growth, as we know, the, the constant birthing process. And that's a fairly painful process. We have to let things go. We have to constantly reevaluate our personalities. And but as we begin to see it as a sacred journey or a rite of passage, the entire experience, like like birth, um, we can trust our, you know, our tool of, of accepting discomfort. And yes. we can take it all, you know, as a benefit to us. And, and then in that state, that's when you sort of become curious and you know you ask questions and yes. and you flow, right? It's, it's yes. an effortless life because you know that you, you can ride the waves. And so, um, you know, when you're in that state, life has a capacity for more joy and complexity and miracle. And I can definitely attest to that. Oh my God. I've thought so many things while you were talking. Let's see if I can get back up. (laughs) 
what is this yin yang idea? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sorry, what'd you say? Go ahead. What is the yin yang idea? As I said, I study you know different kinds of uh, indigenous ideas, and yin yang is, is very deep in Chinese indigenous spirituality. And um, it's this idea that you know you, you, you pain is not to be avoided. Like you said, you don't want to create unnecessary pain, but it's it's actually um, the other side of joy. I mean, there's no and you everybody's heard this. I don't want to you know get redundant or anything or, or but you know there's no way of grasping what joy is if you don't know it's opposite. And there's nothing that doesn't require uh, sort of the, the 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 both sides you know dark and light side whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a, as the yin yang symbol demonstrates one feeds the other endlessly. And when you were talking about birth as an yeah. example, I thought wow. You can imagine the one who has recognized that pain is to be accepted. And you said they get beyond and they start to get curious. <laughs> I mean, the birth experience has to be very different for someone who is curious <laughs> than for someone who is afraid. And I'm going to just. Or I'm, even play. A playful, exactly. Hello, you're gonna, you guys are going to hear a little tap tap on my window. There is a bird for the last month who will not, he, he or she comes to my window every day. I, I, ha I have a video. I should put it up on my on, on the life writing page so you can see it. But um, so that's what that little tap is. Um, uh, yeah, so you were saying, so the difference between a, a, a woman who is giving birth, who is afraid of one who is curious is one thing I was listening to that struck me what you were saying. Another thing that struck me was when you said the woman who is not afraid can influence her birth. I just, that is very, that strikes me as only ways having given birth myself only once, but um, I just remember I was very fit. I walked a lot. I was a runner before. I didn't run when I was pregnant, but I certainly kept up my physical activity. My body was strong. And I remember thinking, and, and you, you were born very quickly. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's, it's, it's a muscular activity. I, I've done everything I can do. It has taken over now. I, thought, I was fascinated by that, Zeri. I was like, look at my body do this. I, I remember how, when, which yeah, muscle was and which muscle was pushing and where you were. And I just remember sensing all of that. Not that, you know, there wasn't some fear there at first, but once it was yeah. like away, it was like, this is a, an amazing thing that's happened here. Anyway, I don't know if there was anything. There was a lot in what you said. Really? Those two I remember. So did you have more to say? Yeah, and if you ever want me to talk a million. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, I was going to say, if you ever want me to talk a million hours <laughs> and talk about the miracle of birth and how much it teaches. Yes. Well, we will do that a different day. Um, but yeah, I did. I did give um, my examples of how um, how I'm seeing this, this manifest in my own life. It's in a couple different ways uh, that I been paying attention to and that is um in in terms of like social anxiety i, I have you know a, a hefty amount of it I'm, it's not as um strong as as some um but certainly not as light as others <laughs> uh and so i've been you know managing it in my various ways uh usually i kind of prefer being a hermit but i've been pushing past that tendency uh, because i see it as beneficial to me um and so yeah so i'm, I'm out more and and i'm recognizing that yeah, there's a there's a difference between the cognitive understanding of, you know, pain is a part of the process and it's part of your evolution and, you know, it's beneficial. But when your body kicks in with that, you know, re very real uh, fight, 
fight or freeze or fawn response to uncomfortable situations. It's, it's really a very, um, it's a, it's a real moment. Right. And I, I can kind of, I can bring you into that moment where I'm, I'm sitting in a room or even a corner of a room and the friend that I came with has left my side and I'm, I'm confronted with the triggers, you know, of, you know, you know, I'm reforming codependency uh, after life writing, right? Those are the things that you're healing. And so I'm triggered and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, where did they go? Am, am I not interesting enough to keep them by my side? You know, and I'll, I'll stare at my hands and I'll sink a little bit into the feeling of being alone. And, and that is not a nice feeling. It feels like the room is too small and everybody in it is sort of facing away from me. And I'm not a part of, you know, the, the vibrancy and my heart is pounding. You know, it's a real physical reaction. And then I remember uh, the flow state, you know, that all of this is a journey and that I'm figuring out as I go and I have patience with myself and I take a deep cleansing breath and I remind myself that I trust myself, you know, that I know myself, that, that I'm actually amazing <laughs> and that I have receipts to prove that I'm amazing, you know, and, and, uh, and that is becoming muscle memory. That is the evidence. Mm. the work that I've been doing, you know, uh, to, to understand my own, be my own compass, my own um, sounding board to trust my reality, you know, and then my perception of the room goes back to normal. Mm. And I, you know, I'll stand up and I approach someone new, uh, you know, this even like a forceful thing <laughs> where mm. we talk about effort, the effort is to approach a new person with that, you know, that stance. And some of the most amazing people I've met in my life, I've met after completely losing my confidence and mm-hmm. then trusting myself back into it, you know, pushing yourself. Um, so that's one example. The other one that I was sort of thinking about, uh, but I won't go into too much detail because I think we actually need a whole segment on this, but um, the art of letting go, right? Mm-hmm. I'm noticing that there's a, there's becoming an increasing effortlessness in allowing people that I really love and I'm really invested in slide away from my experience as they need to. Right, and and that's becoming more effortless. But I think we should talk about that more. Well, so, quickly yeah. though, what do you mean sliding away from my experiences? They need to. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, because uh, I I um, am a lover, right? I I've put sort of my whole uh, self into uh, the people that I meet, that I you know invite into my life, and you know business, whatever heart. But um, a lot of that. Um, can be sort of possessiveness, right? A need to keep something precious close to me, even when their path might become divergent. You know, maybe they get a job in a different country or I have an opportunity or an evolution that leads me away from something they believe in. Or, you know, for example, I uh, became um, less uh, orthodox. I was most very, very strict Muslim. And I had very many close friends uh, at the masjid and things like that. But as my journey changed, I had to learn how to, mm-hmm. um, you know, let them let their reality embrace my own. And that being one of the uh, you know, more uncomfortable parts of uh, trusting myself and becoming my own um, truth or my own, um, I guess, sounding board or <laughs> whatever you want to, however you want to put it. Uh, but I'm noticing that as uh, I enter this flow state, trust myself more that is becoming effortless to let people go more smoothly. But it is something that I've been, actively keeping uh keeping track of mm-hmm. my ability to do mm-hmm. we can definitely do one on letting go I, i'm having so many sort of examples in my own experience but i'm not going to bring them up now 
I'm going to go now, yeah. unless you have something else to say, I'm going to share a testimonial. Is that okay with you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, I want to share a testimonial from uh, one of our participants who she describes sort of her first experience at mastering her emotions. I think this it's, it's so poetic. She's a beautiful writer, but in it is a very lovely um, conveyance of, of something that's shifting in her. So here it is. I wanted to share a memory that just popped into my head from the last session. I don't have a car, so I was walking home after our first meeting and I was pretty overcome with emotion but somehow felt more clarity than I have in what seemed like as long as I can remember. I stopped to watch the clouds move across the sky for a bit and sit with my emotions. And for the first time in years, I genuinely felt as though things were going to be okay. I'm a big music person and this song came on shuffle and it was so harmonious to how I was feeling that I burst out into happy tears. For once, I didn't try to stop them and let myself feel fully and deeply because I trusted in myself to know that I could handle the scope of my emotions. I have a hundred of these that just make my heart leap for joy <laughs> when people uh, confirm what I'm you know, trying to get everybody to, to grasp and do and take advantage of. There's actually a free way for you to do this our, on our website. There's a way you can do it with me personally, of course, and there's a workbook that you can use. But I've actually also recorded the, the workbook and you can just go and listen for free to those recordings. They're, they're, they're pretty good. I did them years ago. And at the time I thought they were very good and I listened to them now and I think, yeah, those could be a little bit better. But it's, it's the exact wording of the workbook. So go do your life writing. Uh, while you're there, please join our mailing list. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you will share our podcast with others and join us again soon. And sort of as a quick recap from what we talked about today, remember that self-actualization is your contribution to the good of the whole. And life writing helps to jumpstart that. It helps to take you across the threshold to get going with that. Um, your self-actualization and overall human evolution are intimately linked. You're finding your way to what you're supposed to be doing and all of our movement towards a better world, those things are intimately linked. Evolution relies on your unique contribution to the good of the whole. Good of the whole. So we're waiting for you <laughs> to do that if you're not already involved in what you know to be your life's mission. I'll end by saying that the mind's effort, I was talking about the mind a lot, its effort to facilitate human doing is exactly what it's supposed to be doing. That's what the mind is to do. But only after the evolutionary intuition that lives at your center has provided direction for useful doing, the mind needs to be guided by intuition, okay? That way your doing is a doing that contributes to the evolution of the self and the rest of us. So again, thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you again soon. So long. Oh, wait, wait, wait.